and thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined today by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. Sup, sup, cakes. Cupcakes, sup, cakes. Mm. <laughs> I'm a pie guy. I I'm like a pie. pie guy. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm assuming you're a cake guy. Yeah, I'm more of a cupcake guy. <laughs> I like a good pecan pie. Do you say pecan or pecan? What? Pecan. <laughs> pecan. It all depends on where you're from. Pecan's a bird, I think. Ah! You say pecan? <laughs> I say pecan pie, not pecan. Oh, I, I say pecan. This is like, um, oh, shoot. Oh, uh, the word uh, nativity. And my wife says nativity. Like a horse? Yeah, she says nativity. Uh, and I nativity. Saying, nativity. Yeah, I say nativity. Yeah, nativity. Nativity. Funny English words we have. Sometimes it'll be cigar. Sometimes it'll be cigar. Cigar. Then you have guitar, and then you have guitar. <laughs> I guess it depends on who you're talking to. Just like adding an accent to it. Guitar. And how rural of an area you're in. South. So. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> do you want to talk about, you know, podcast things? Of course, I would love to talk about podcast things. What are we talking about today? Today, we are going to be diving into a topic called, can you teach me how to master? Ooh. Every time, like, Skirt. every time I, like, get ready to say that, for some reason, I keep on thinking of the song, can you take me higher? And that's My not creed? what I... Uh, <laughs> maybe. Can you yes, I think that is. I'm kind of, like, in my head. Like, that, like... Is is that vocal kind of thing ever going to make like a comeback? Like the like the meaty you know, male vocal from like the early 2000s? Like, I don't think it ever went away. There's plenty of bands like that still that just never stopped. <laughs> Either shoveling or pooping or something. <laughs> it's a real conviction, you know? Yeah. It's great. Oh, wow. <laughs> if you want to go down, if you want to have a good night, go look at Creed music videos. Because, is it just like uh, like it's kind of when they invented, or at least when it's when the they invented dolly like cams CG, became yeah, like, like, like the boom arm cams yes. became really popular. Yes, and the boom arms just like like they're standing still the whole time, and like the boom arms just like super zooming around them. Yep. And, it's like Matrix style. Everybody was like, "Oh, what's this button do?" We discovered. <laughs> um, I think um, the Creed guy ended up uh, <laughs> yes Marlins Will Soar the song is the I was, just took a drink of coffee <laughs> yeah I know didn't, you didn't expect Marlins Will Soar is, is that his name? It, no it was the anthem of the Miami Marlins and it was created by uh, the lead singer of Creed Great. And if you go to YouTube and search search Marlins Will Soar, you will see oh, Marlins him. Will Soar. I thought you were saying a guy's name. Oh, no. Sorry. Uh, Marlins, like the mascot Miami Marlins baseball team. He loves them so much that he created their own anthem for them. <laughs> huh. So if you go to YouTube and search Marlins Will Soar Creed, you will find him performing the uh, deep cut... <laughs> Creed song, Marlins Will Soar. That's almost as random as me being in Mary saying Poppins. Matthew Garber is in Mary Poppins. 
These intros are just getting ever more unique. <laughs> it's great. I just love it. Do you want to get into a podcast today? <sighs> yes. I do. We're in it. This is part well, of it. Why don't into it. we officially start this off with a little bit of housekeeping? Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Housekeeping. Can you take my house high? Yeah. Um, okay. Housekeeping. It's like the up house with all the balloons. Yeah. Oh. I missed cr- opportunity. Cried in that movie. I cried in that movie and Simon Birch. You know the beginning of that movie? <laughs> Those are the only two movies I ever cried in. <laughs> what was the other one? Simon Birch. I like. I don't think I've ever cried in a movie, but I got a little choked up during the Green Mile. Yeah. I was like old back in the day watching it on like TBS or something like that, and I was like, they get you all choked up, and then you go into an infomercial for like Sham Wow <laughs> or like Billy Mays. <laughs> I think uh, the Sham Wow guy passed away. The Green Mile, though. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, <laughs> a tearjerker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and on that note, housekeeping. Y'all even want to talk about mastering today? Yes, I do. Um, 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 housekeeping friends, thank you so much for listening to another episode and another intro. They get stranger and longer as we go. Um, housekeeping this is the unique time you have to go like share subscribe to our uh, podcast we thank you so much for doing that thus far it has helped us so much uh spreading the podcast the most effective thing is to take a screenshot of the episode tag us on instagram we love instagram it seems to be our sweet spot our uh, home base our uh cherry pie uh i've ran out of words uh screenshot the podcast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and tag Matt and I, most mastering for the record. We will reshare your uh, your share, and we'll do some cross marketing. We'll expose each other to thousands of people uh, by doing cross marketing. That sounded weird. Yeah, I know. Let's, let's I want to expose myself <laughs> to thousands of people. Keep it clean. Um, so anyway, thank you, listener, for doing that. And uh, I think that's good for housekeeping. Like, share, subscribe. I think we're done here. And I think we're scene. done. <laughs> next uh, topic. Cue the next Creed song. <laughs> Can you teach me how to master? Are we going to dialogue today? Sure. Probably not, but let's try it. <laughs> I'd like to try it. All right. Uh, we always say we'd like to try it, and then we usually never do, but we can try and dialogue. Okay. So we we have this like idea and like you see these courses online and like learn how to master for three easy payments of 1999. Billy Mays with ShamWow. That wasn't that guy. With OxyClean, that was the guy. That was what he did. And it's like e-courses are kind of slimy and they're kind of not really helpful. And you're only getting like that guy's or gal's opinion on like how they do it. And not everyone like interprets or listens to music the same. It's like, I can see kind of how you would say like, you can teach someone to mix. I don't think that, but like also, I I, I don't want to be like a jerk and be like, oh, this is like an exclusive club because it's not. <laughs> but like some people... I, I I don't know, and it's it's not like a like a cut out thing. It's just if you're able to like mentally, like just make it work. I suppose. 
And I, it's, it sounds yeah. really weird, but it's like kind of like an emotional. Right. Like there are like the, the moves that are made in mastering and whatnot, they're kind of like an emotional like move. And it's like whether something needs something or not, or it's like, does this require any creativity on my end or not? And it's like emotional. And then it's also like, like part self-control. Yeah. And so like learning that kind of balance and discipline, but also with me, it could be completely different for Sam or like anybody else doing this. And it's like, I understand with mixing that sure. Like generally a kick drum is going to, I'm not going to say be relatively the same because it can be a multitude of different things. But in general, you want to get to a relatively, 95% of the time, you want to get to a relatively similar area or product with how a kick drum is going to be. And I'm not saying that it that mixing is easier than mastering or there's any less creativity or there's anything that requires any less dedication. I'm just kind of pointing out, it's like, yeah, you can also make the same parallel for mastering and I mean, just I don't know. I I feel like to a degree, I'm talking in circles. <laughs> um, I mean, I I think mastering is just highly misunderstood, and then I think it's highly um, viewed as something that is like a side hustle, like an add-on. So, like, like a la what carte do you menu. think people like actually <laughs> want to learn? Like, I think that's a good starting point is like, what do you think these people are actually wanting to learn when they say, can you teach me how to do this? Well, my... What are they want? What are they expecting yeah. to learn? I mean, my observation of, you know, if we want to talk e-courses or what's presented on the internet with mastering is most of the pitch is mastering is super easy. You're making it super hard and anyone can do it. And anyone can make really loud records that compete with Kanye West or Katy Perry or Justin Bieber or hit record. And I'm going to teach you how to do it uh, in three simple steps. And I think the issue with mastering is people want to learn how to do it because my understanding of why people want to learn to do it is because they think they can just add it and make 50 to 75 more dollars in their process. Like they, they're not interested in mastering usually for the art of mastering. They're interested in mastering because most people will go, do you have a mastering person or can you master it? And then they go, sure. And they do that long enough going, I have no idea what the heck I'm doing. Here's a plug-in. Here you go, guys. This is the master. And the band goes, cool. Or they go, that's different, you know? And I think mastering is just so misunderstood. I think it's always been that way, probably because the nature of mastering obviously started, and we don't have to go down a history road, but it obviously started like you had to be basically like an electrician. You had to understand electricity and be an engineer. Um, so that's Well, they were a, cutting engineers. Right. In that's the, like the OG mastering engineer. It's like I, I like I always find it kind of funny is like when someone says they want to like they want me to master their stuff, and then it's going to vinyl, and it's like, well, there's two mastering engineers right. here, exactly, like to a degree. It's like, don't get me wrong, I'll master all of your like vinyl releases digitally for digital release as much as you want, 
But like also a vinyl engineer is a mastering engineer. There might be some stuff that changes right. per how it's being cut to that medium. So just, you know, understand that too. I feel like this with, is me trying to dialogue, just cutting it yeah. off. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> I feel like it's how it's gonna work. People think you can like skimp on mastering and accidentally make great masters. Because some people accidentally make great production and accidentally mm-hmm. make great mixes. It's really hard to accidentally make great masters in my experience now compared to when I started mastering 10, 12 years ago, thinking I kind of knew what I was doing, thinking what I knew what great masters sound like compared to now where I think I really do great masters. Um, it's, it's something that I think people just look at and go, this is, this is a simple process, but for some reason it's super hard. I don't know why it's super hard. I should be able to do this. And it's kind of like, um, I view it as like the way I, a lot of people approach bowling, which is like, (laughs) you go bowling and expect to be good at bowling. Like you go there and you're like, I can just bowl. Like, I'm just going to bowl a good game or like bowl a 300 or something or bowl 200. And then you go and you bowl like gutters nonstop and then you get frustrated and you're like, why am I so bad at bowling? It's because you never bowl. Like you're, you don't practice it. You don't think about it. You don't you know, seek out help for it. And I think that's with mastering. One of the reasons why people struggle with it so much is because they're not committed to it. So teaching it is very hard, I've found, because most people who come to me who want to learn mastering, they don't really want to learn it. They just want a quick tip to do it so they can charge 75 more bucks to their clients and call something mastered and just feel a bit more better about themselves or the product they're giving that they're calling a master, even though they come to me. I mean, this is something like people do is they say, hey, I'm mastering records, but I don't really feel like I know what I'm doing, but clients are paying me for it. And that's where I'm always like, you know, that's probably not the Hmm. best situation. (laughs) Like if if you don't feel like you're actually mastering, you shouldn't be advertising that or, or doing that and charging money because... It's a it's a bit of a disservice on some level, um, you know. And once again, that's not an exclusive thing or me like poo pooing people who who master who don't who aren't quote unquote full time mastering people. But I think there's just a big, you know, there's just a big misunderstanding of what mastering is. I always think it's interesting when I have clients that will master stuff, and then when they have a bigger budget, they'll send it to me to master. And normally, they just mix or produce. And that's always an interesting thing too of, um, you know, why do you master sometimes and then you send it to me and it has to come down to money. I think that to me is the continual, my observation of the industry, and this isn't finger pointing anybody, but it seems to be that people uh, want to learn mastering to make money and then they send projects to me when they have a bigger budget. And I think when you're approaching art from a standpoint of like trying to save 50 or 100 bucks, I think there's something wrong there and there's a disconnect. And I think that trickles into why people have a hard time learning mastering, why it's hard to teach mastering, because the motive to where most people want to learn mastering is coming from a place of trying to make money, not from a place of trying to learn the art of mastering and listening and bringing peace of mind and calling records done. I'm going to pause there because we're supposed to monologue. No, you were monologuing and dialoguing. We're going to dialogue. So, y'all, if any of y'all <laughs> ask Sam to mentor you, 
and he takes you bowling, just go with it. <laughs> it's okay. Just like, you should have some bowling shirts. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. And yeah. I, I just want to put a quick disclaimer that I love when people ask, hey, can you help me master what do you think or teach? And I, people listening, they know like I give you my time and I am happy to answer questions and try and help. But I think for a lot of people, they want to just know, hey, how do you do... It often feels like, how do you... It's an approach of, how do you do what you do? Can you tell me it in one email? <laughs> like, can you take 12 years of mastering records and tell me the three things I can just use for settings to then become you, you know, is kind of how it feels. And I think it's just unrealistic. And then they often realize what they're after isn't, I want to be a master engineer. What they're after is, I actually need to charge more money and make more money, <laughs> like off my mixing or something. And then we get into a whole other conversation of, well, raise your rates then, <laughs> you know, and then have someone master it because everything will sound better. So that's my disclaimer with that. Matt, speak. Rough. <laughs> um, I mean, I have, on average, it's about like four to five people who might reach out a year and just, like some will pointedly ask um, if I would be willing to do some type of mentorship. And some people say like a paid mentorship. Some people would, um, like some of them are like, like, can I come to Charleston for like a while and like kind of sit in or whatever? And that that one's a little weird, but and so I norm those I normally don't do anything with. But if someone like reaches out on Instagram and is just like kind of interested in like a mentorship, it's like I don't know if they're interested in like a mentorship as much or and like I I don't I don't turn it down because. I want to like be a resource for people. And I mean, that's like a really big part of this podcast. But what I do go back and say is like, and I, I don't I don't always know necessarily what people are looking for because some of most of these people are people who are already who are already doing this. And like I want to encourage uh like this art and this craft. And so I'll say, yeah, sure. However, I don't really want to call it a mentorship, but it's like, why don't you and I just like talk? Or we just like schedule, we can schedule a phone call or we can just like shoot back, like back and forth ideas via text message or DM or whatever. Like send me some stuff you're working on or that's like, that like the, I don't know, like whether you want to get approved or not or whatever or stuff that you're like kind of just messing with or just kind of like let me know what's going on and I'll listen to it. And then I'll just like throw you some pointers and let's just like talk and let's just, you know, be community in doing this because I think that's going to get everyone further. And I think people are going to get more out of it than just like, I don't know, like you paying me for like however long and then me cutting you off and being like, okay, well, this mentorship's done. And I'm not talking down about any of that because I do think that that's like a viable way of going about it. That's just like not how I teach and it's not how I learn. And I'm like a very hands-on person. And if I'm going to like dedicate like some time to like, like, and I'll call it like a friendship. If I'm going to dedicate time to this friendship and if I'm going to invest in it and like just with my attention and like me genuinely caring about how you're doing and your like end product for your clients, it's like, 
I want it to be more of like a friendship. I want it, and it's like kind of like more like what Sam, like what you and I have. Right. And it's like, I want it to be like genuine and I want it to like last beyond whenever that quote unquote mentorship is over. Like I, I don't ever really want it to be a mentorship for that reason. Cause I don't ever want there to be like a hierarchy of like, I'm better right. than you or and stuff like that. It's like, no, I've just been doing this for a minute. And it's like, maybe I just look at it a little bit differently than you do. And it's like, maybe I'm going to like, like maybe approach it from like, you know, maybe I can learn something from you too. And so that's how I approach it. And it's like, it never necessarily ends. It's just, you're my friend. And like, Sam, you and I like always send stuff back and forth, not like people's mixes, but just like, just like talking about things or like if we have a problem or whatnot, just kind of like shooting it off one another and just trying to help each other out. I mean, that's kind of what it's all about, you know? Right. So it's like, yeah, I, if, if I'm going to help somebody from a mentorship like standpoint, um, and the funny thing is, is some people have like turned that down because they want like some type of like a structure. Right. I was like, well, I'm, 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 I'm not that type of thing. So right. I was like, I'm more interested in being a part of your community and you being a part of mine. And I personally need to invest into you Right. And I need you to personally invest into me, which is called reciprocation. And I don't know. And it's like I'm finding in most cases that like because people are doing this, that like in most cases, like I feel like a lot of people just kind of want like a validation of like from another person who does this like professionally is like, yeah, you you're you know what you're doing. You're doing a good job. Just like keep on this path. Or it's like if you just like want a pointer or two, yeah, sure, whatever. That doesn't bother me at all, and so like I don't want to be I don't want to be paid for any of it. It's a, it's not really not really what I'm in this life for. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just I think people, <laughs> there's my monologue. <laughs> right. See, I just feel like the the problem with teaching mastering and probably any part of the the music creation process, if you want to be great and performing on the pro level, it just takes a lot of time. And it takes mm -hmm. a lot of commitment to the mundane and non-sexy things that go into your craft, you know. And mastering, I think, part of the friction I found initially when I was learning mastering was the couple people that I, I don't want to say ass assisted, it was more so observed and they never let me like work on their records, their actual records, like guys who have been doing it like 20, 30 years in town that I got to watch for a while. Everyone has such a specific process. And then within mm -hmm. it, um, there are a lot of insecurities in the music world where people will go, well, if I teach you, then you're going to take my clients. You know, if I teach yeah. you my signal chain, then you can just go buy my gear and just recreate it. I don't believe in any of that. If anybody who so listen has messaged me, you know I will spill the tea on everything I do and how I do it. Because it comes down to, you know, the ears to you. and me, and not just the ears. I don't even like, you know, people say like it's not the it's not the the bow, it's the Indian, or it's not the gear, it's the engineer. Whatever phrase that is, I think it's both. Like <laughs> I it's the engineer plus the gear. Like I, a lot of my sound has to do with my gear or even call gear plugins, you know, and then a lot of it has to do with me. 
like the way I hear it's it's a two it's a yes on both I think and you know it's really hard to teach mastering too because the friction I ran into was people were insecure of teaching their ways then they're mastering people I found are notoriously stubborn in that there is one way to to master a record and if you don't do that it's wrong and then the other big friction part I think is it's really hard to teach mastering because you have to be able to hear correctly, in my opinion. That was something I struggled with in general with making great sounding records is I had a bad room or a subpar room. And we have mm-hmm. hounded people on, get your room right, get some full set, full range monitors. And I don't know how else to say it, but like, you can't be a great engineer, in my opinion, a mastering engineer without having you know, a full set of a full set of speakers. Now I know there's people or full range monitors in a great room. I know there's people that do headphone mastering now. So that would be a pushback on it. But um in general, I genuinely believe you've got to be able to hear things correctly to really teach mastering. Um it's hard for me when I've tried to teach people to be like, I you know, don't you hear your 300 hertz is two dB too loud? They're like, no. Well, maybe you haven't, you know, you haven't learned to listen, but also do you hear it in your room or do you hear that there's 10 dB of 65 hertz here? Like there's just so much low in and they'll say, it sounds fine in my room. You know, when those are the responses, I'm like, it's very hard to teach you uh, the art of mastering and the art of like observation and detail and listening um, when you have a... Uh, a non-controlled room, a non-point of reference. And I think that's part of the difficulty of teaching mastering is, excuse me, mastering is so much listening and listening correctly. And if you have spent years and years listening incorrectly on accident because you're in a bad room, I had to learn how to break a ton of habits. And I also had to relearn what good records sound like. And I think that's one of the hardest things about teaching anything in audio, but specifically mastering, because people come to us basically at a stage of saying, please make this sound like a, a actual record. Like, <laughs> that's kind of usually what people are doing, or if we're doing a full length, one of the hardest parts, once again, about mastering that everybody else like gets off the hook on is we have to actually make 12 songs sound like they are cohesive. Or like producers and mixers, it seems like there's been this overall... Uh, acceptance that the mix from mix to mix to mix for a record can sound totally different. Um, And then we'll just let mastering make it sound all cohesive and balanced. So that's really hard. I think that's one of the hardest things. Uh, Great. You know, it took me a long time to figure out how do I make every song not sound the same, but feel cohesive. Sounding the same and cohesive are two different things. Um, I have a... Yes, go. An episode... Um, kind of written down and we haven't sussed it out yet. And I don't even know if I brought it up to Sam, but it's like one of those things of like, it's, I don't even know how to title it, but it, it like falls under the guise of like, what could we, as in like you and I do yeah. better? Yeah. And there's like, like I could totally do LPs better than I do right now because dude, I do so many passes. Yeah. It's like, I'll do a whole pass just for like printing. Yeah. And then I'll do like another pass for setting anything afterwards. And I'll do another pass for like final level. Yeah. 
And it's like so freaking inefficient <laughs> that it's like, man, I know it's like, then so like kind of like on that same thing, it's like, there's like an episode floating out there of like, what could we potentially do better? Yeah. And so it like kind of falls into like, we're not doing everything perfect here. Right. Definitely not. But I think what I'm saying is like, I, I love, we, Matt and I obviously love educating and teaching and I love teaching and helping people learn whatever they want with mastering. And I'm an open book if you've ever DM me or emailed me. But or listen to this podcast. Yeah, but it's just, it's something where I think people have, they just don't understand for some reason that mastering is equally as difficult. Becoming great at mastering is equally as difficult as becoming great at mixing becoming great at production, becoming great at songwriting, becoming great at making food, becoming great at anything just requires a lot of you. And I think because people think mastering doesn't take a lot of time in theory compared to the other stages of creation uh, when you're making music, that it should be easy. They equivalent, We often equivalent time with level of difficulty when we're creating things and in the music industry. Because that gets into the whole thing of people being like, well, you shouldn't get paid this much because it only takes you 30 minutes to master a song where, you know, it takes me eight hours to mix a song and a producer three days to get through a song or whatever somebody's workflow is. And I think that's part of the misunderstanding of mastering and why people get so confused and frustrated. And then they also don't realize that the faster mastering engineers are often that speedy because they have done so much work and they just are confident in the choices they need to make to get your record across the finish line. Because when I started out mastering, I spent a lot more time on on a single, and it was mainly because I was still learning and I didn't quite know. I wasn't fully confident. I needed to explore option one, two, and three because I didn't know what option one, two, and three sounded like yet. Where now I'm like, okay, I know what this chain sounds like. I know what this chain does, and I know what this chain does. You know, so I can kind of like quickly be like, it's chain two for this song. Um, mm. You know, and that just comes from years and years and years of doing records. Um, and I think that's where teaching mastering is hard because teaching mastering isn't a three week course. You know, teaching mastering is a lifelong journey and a decision. <laughs> like, that's how serious I take it. Like, it's a lifelong pursuit of learning what records sound like and, and, what they need to sound like to be done and compete in the commercial market. And it's so much more to me than just making it sound good. It has so much to do with making it sound good for the market the client wants to compete in, for the relevance that you know the record needs to have on a playlist or a label or sync or whatever we're doing. There's so much more that goes into it than loudness. And it's almost like this hyper-focus of loudness continually... Um, shows, I think, what great mastering engineers can actually do. Because loudness is such an easy thing, in my opinion, to do at mastering for the most part. It's all the other things that are kind of difficult. EQ balance, troubleshooting, making sure you're, you know, shaping the song to compete in the market they want to go to, and all that stuff. So that's where I think it's just like mastering is misunderstood and, you know, it's a diff it is difficult um, it gets easier just like anything. But I think that's why, to me, it's so hard to teach is because most people don't even understand all the different facets of mastering, you know? And that's that's where I find with people, 
when I'm trying to teach them, it's like we have you have to you have to understand that mastering is so much more than a limiter, you know, and and trying to make it loud. There's lots of things going on. Okay, that's a monologue dialogue. We're bad at this. <laughs> go, Matt. Go. Play. I try cutting. I, 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 I just like don't know where we're going like, to cut, cut each it other right off, now. And then I'm know? like, man, I don't want like you're like on a good thing, and then I'm going to get you off on a tangent, yeah, you know. and someone on the other end is going to be like, what was he going to say? Right. And I was like, I was like, I don't want to do that. The magic's um, in the monologue. Share, I, mean, I guess. So. Share your thoughts. Rebuttals. Feelings. Um, I mean, I have nothing wrong with like a 30-minute master. Um, but it's like, I mean, if you're getting a mix that's like not really like um, I don't know. Let's use like a common vernacular of not really good. And <laughs> how do you say not very good? Yeah. <laughs> no bueno. <laughs> Uh, if you get one of those, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's going to take quite a while, but I mean, with like how much repetition is kind of involved, like through like relatively similar chains with gear that, you know, pretty intimately in a room, you know, pretty intimately, it's like, yeah, if something is just fantastic sounding, then it's not really going to take that long because you know, immediately, uh, if this needs to go out of the box, if it does need to go out of the box, does something need to be changed? Is there something that needs that it like, I don't know. It's like, you ever have like a, you ever just have something like some soup or something. And you're just like, man, this looks like needs salt. Yes. Like this, this, uh, I had a, I had a neighbor, uh, she's, uh, she's like in her sixties and she messaged me, uh, uh, like a, like a week or so ago. And she said, Hey, uh, I made like way too much of this pasta dish that I was like trying to like recreate a recipe that like I had had at the restaurant. It's really good. Would you and Brittany be interested in like taking some? We're like, hell yeah, we would. <laughs> and this was like a Thursday or Friday and we totally like ate it for a few days. But like the whole thing was just like, my wife and I were just like, well, it needs a little bit of salt to it. And so you throw some salt on it, just like, man, this is great. And so <laughs> you ever have those things that just like need a little bit of salt and you're just like, yeah, it just needs like a little bit of like boop right here. And sometimes like an objective set of ears can kind of just detect that right. or where like an enhancement would be nice. Or maybe it needs like a little bit of movement. And you know what? Maybe sometimes it doesn't really need anything. And you need to be able to say that I sit in front of 30, 40, 50,000, $60,000 worth of gear that, I'm going to make the mature decision that I'm not going to use. And let's take maturity and define it as the things we don't do and the things that we don't say. Um, so let's make the mature decision that, you know, we don't need to use this. Um, so I feel like a lot of that comes from um, repetition. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the 30-minute master. Um I like music so much, though, that like it rarely happens because even if I do have a quote unquote like 30 minute master, I'll totally get it dialed up and then I'll just like sit there for like the next 40 minutes just listening to it, just like jamming out, be like, man, that's fucking awesome. And then, like, what happens if we do this? What happens if we do this? But it's like kind of knowing where it needs to go that it doesn't need any of this stuff. <laughs> and just like you're just kind of like rocking out to it. And just, I don't know. I just, I find myself getting lost in, lost in, in music sometimes. So, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it's like, you know what, sometimes you have the big toys for the stuff that needs to be moved and um, coaxed into uh, a little bit of submission. Right. 
<laughs> but then like I feel like 90%. And so like I I go back to your whole thing of like your guy or friend or whatever it is who's like, oh, no, I'm not going to tell you what I do. You're going to steal my clients. It's like, one, you're an idiot. <laughs> it's like, if your clients are so fickle right. that they're going to like take your guy who like sat behind the desk for three weeks, who just bought like just, like a credit card's worth of like gear and doesn't really know how to use it and has like some random bedroom that he converted. If you're like, if you think your clients are so fickle that they're just going to go jump ship, it's like you need to like really reevaluate some of your life choices right. and like how you're looking at things. So like that's like like your clients come to you because of more than just like the gear. You know, like like what you're giving them. It's like don't get me wrong, it's like there's like two or three categories in which a client normally comes to me. Sometimes it's like Sometimes, like, like they're they're either um, what do I have written here? Uh, oh, there. Sometimes there's some desperation of like, hey, I don't really know what this person was doing. <laughs> Is there anything that you can do? Or it's like you kind of get like that whole runabout, and it's like you listen to it, you're like, yeah, I, I think I can work with this. Or like sometimes you just gotta turn it down. But like the other time is and it's the nice thing and it's what your friend or whatever should have really uh leaned back on is the uh, the other time they come to you is kind of they come to you in confidence and it's like this like through the whole process it's like you're in mind that you're going to be the guy who finishes this record you're going to put the bow on it. You're going to bring it to everything that it needs to be. And you're just going to sign off on it. And it's going to be perfect. And we're going to love it. And if we don't love it, we'll just do like a revision or so. And we'll be good. But like they're coming, they're approaching you in confidence that you have the ability to essentially take their record across the finish line. And so um, I feel that comes from like and I literally think like mastering is maybe 10% of the relationship. And this is like really kind of weird, but I believe the other 90% is customer service. 100%. And 100% to the so 90%. For instance, <laughs> like in like in, <laughs> in the in the Hong Kong airport, there's like all this like crazy like shops and stuff like that. It's like Hong Kong is a little island off like the southeastern coast of China. It's just all this like crazy stuff, like every food you can imagine and stuff like that. But then they also have like these little like forum shops and whatnot. And they have like, I don't know, there's like a little Seiko shop, like a watch shop. Sam and I were talking a lot about watches pretty much for the past like hour before we even started recording. And, uh, I really like watches. Sam really likes watches. And so like we just kind of nerd out for a little bit. And there's like a, there's a Seiko shop and there's like a Swatch shop. And uh, it's like those are all brands that are gonna get you where you're going. There's like a Timex shop, which is kind of funny for like a like kind of like a luxurious Hong Kong airport. But it's like Timex, it's like takes a look and keeps on ticking. Like that's like that's their <laughs> that's their whole mon mantra. Um, but then there's like you kind of get into this part of like the international terminal. And you see this like very specific, like odd color green that you don't really ever see anywhere else. And then you're like, wait, this is two stories. This is like, like you can access this from the top floor, the bottom floor, and there's a spiral staircase on the inside of this place. Then you kind of get around the corner and you're like, oh, this is a Rolex shop. And I'll tell you what, 
you're treated a lot different at the Swatch, Timex, and Seiko shops than you're treated at the Rolex shop. And you're, you're treated like royalty at one, and you're treated just kind of like, I don't know, like, so, yeah, sure, customer service is pretty good at some of them, but others you're kind of treated as like a miscreant that's got a bag walking around that you can just very easily pull something off the shelf and just stuff it in your bag and walk out. And so the experience is a little bit different. And there's a reason why people buy one over their, uh, the other, and there's a pe- reason why people shop at one over another. And so, and that's like the customer experience you get. It's the same as like, you're going to buy like a Chevy, you're going to buy like a Bentley. It's like you're going to be treated differently at the dealerships. Are you going to buy from, I don't know, you're going to buy from Land Rover, you're going to go buy from CarMax. Don't get me wrong. I love CarMax. We bought my wife's 400 CarMax. You can get like any car all over like the US and you can go like search the whole inventory and everything. Yeah, great thing. But it's like still like, no kidding. Like the guy found out that I had a business, like the salesman, no shit. Like before I left, he handed me his business card and said, yeah, let me know if you're hiring. <laughs> and it's just like, you know what you're getting. Right. And I'm not saying anything bad against any of that. It's just, you're going to get a little different of an experience. And so I think 90% of this relationship between the client and the mastering engineer is going to be that customer service that you offer. And a lot of people who... I do stuff for they like that if I don't understand something or if I have a question, I'm going to hop on the phone. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm not just going to process this thing through or deny it or whatever. I'm going to like, if, if like we're pretty much there, but it's like, ah, I think we need a little salt. I'll like send them the master and be like, Hey, I have like, like a few things that I want to chat about. And I try to do it in as like nice of a way as possible, but it's like, and then we hop on the phone and we just chat about it and be like, what's like kind of like the idea? What's going on? Is this the intention or something like that? And uh, just being able to do that. And then like when you deliver, you'd literally make someone feel like they just bought a piece of jewelry. <laughs> and I mean, that was that was a whole thing. So like one of my products, the, the other company, this is another story, is we like very early on through our branding that we like are incredibly strict on establishing. Um, this is totally a monologue. This is like two <laughs> monologues. This is the longest like bit of recording I've seen <laughs> so far on the waveform. Um, very early on, we like honed in our branding so tight that our manufacturer, who like made for other people around the world, um, she said to us, like, I'm no longer like making like the product that I make. Like like when I put this in your box, it makes me and like my workers have said this to me too, like like the people who like assemble stuff, um, they feel like they're putting together a piece of jewelry for you. They don't feel like they're putting together like what we make. And that's always stuck with me about like the psychological effect of making sure that everybody in the whole supply chain understands the quality of what you're selling. Mm-hmm. And so that means you know, always being you and being integral. And if you screw up, admitting it. And if like, like always making sure you're treating someone like a hundred bucks. And if some part of that chain kind of breaks, be like, listen, this is not the quality that like we're known for. And we're going to do whatever we can to make this right. And so, I don't know. I feel like 
I feel like 90% of this game is customer service. And yeah. that's why a lot of people do come back to you. That's like my long-winded <laughs> thing. So it's like, it's like I'll, I'll end with this. So I'd mastered for several years and I had seen some stuff that had gone through Sam that some friends had done. And I saw that Sam was offering mentorships via his website. And I was like, mm, I don't know. I was like, I think my stuff sounds pretty good. But there's some stuff I don't know. And so I did reach out to Sam. And I said, hey, would you be interested in, in doing this? And he said, yeah, sure. And I said, I don't really want to know like how you do things sonically. I just want to treat like my clients in a way that they need to be treated in order like to make sure they have a successful like mastering experience and distribution and stuff like that. And I almost think that's more important than cuz it's like if your clients love the way you sound, then I think finding out the best way to treat them and the best way to handle certain situations, I feel like that's even better. I agree. And so I mean, that was kind of like the story on how you and I started chatting. Yeah. I should probably just let you like wrap this episode up. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so can you teach me how to master? Yes, I can. I think, I mean, I think what you said is extremely important because that's what I feel like I harp on on like IGTV and stuff. It's like you have to understand that mastering is, it's what I was saying earlier too, it's a business. Like it's, it's so much more than just the audio nerd out and that's where I think a lot of music people, well, I know this because I've watched it in town, music, you know, mixers, producers, engineers, master engineers fail, make, fail to make money, fail to make something sustainable, fail to get clients to come back is because they have zero relationship skills or business skills and they have zero um, desire to put in the effort to learn that side of it. And there's very few people in town that I've met, I don't know if I've met honestly anyone who is doing great work who is bad with people. Like everybody I look up to in town who's been crushing it for many years beyond me is great with customers. They know how to communicate, they know how to bring peace of mind. They understand that what we're doing is a twofold thing. It's not just making a record sound great, it's also bringing peace of mind. It's also explaining things, educating things. We educate. I mean, I feel like I educate every email I send out. And I don't view it as like, oh, these people are so dumb. It's it's part of the gig and it's a joy because every time I help someone think about something, um, you know, in a new way, it helps them make better records, you know, and that impacts me down the line again. Like if a mixer learns something about the mastering process that helps them go, oh, I'd didn't know you did that or you can do that quote unquote better or whatever. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Then they just get to focus on more of the cool stuff they like doing. So, you know, can I teach mastering? Of course. But I, I always tell people too, like, and it's what you were seeking, Matt. I, I would teach you business. I would teach you customer service. I would teach you relationships. I'd teach you taxes. I would teach you like nine tenths of every, every say it's, Excuse me, if, if mastering is like a 10-part thing, you know, the sonics would be one-tenth of it, and then nine-tenths would be non-sonic things. Um, yeah. And that's really part of part of the gig, and I think that's why, 
you know, it's hard to teach mastery and it's hard to teach almost anything audio because, and why the e-course stuff kind of fails short is because they're all so, um, they're short-sighted. Like, it's not that they're all bad. They're just giving you like 10% of what is required to have a successful company or a career or, or just sustainability. And that's where, you know, those sorts of things just kind of fall short eventually and and you realize, no, nah, maybe I learned some things, you know, and and e-courses can teach you things. Like there's there's things out there that, you know, or people out there, resources that do teach people things. But it's it's kind of like, I think people approach it as like, this will be the only thing I need to learn and then I'll be good to go. And it's just like baby step number one, you know, of a thousand. So for me, I want to encourage people real quick, like, you know, whenever people ask, can I teach the mastery? And I usually just tell them, you know, like ask specific questions or whatever, what are your goals or what are you actually trying to do? Is it about actually learning mastering or just, you know, making money or, you know, there could be both, of course. There's nothing wrong with wanting to make money while mastering. Um, but I always try to encourage people like you need to spend time listening. Like you have to get super good at listening and learning what records sound like, learning where kick drums sound like, vocals sound like, where do they land? Like what are the new trends? There has to be an obsession with listening in my experience. And especially in our current culture, the attention span people have is not very long. So people mm. don't like listening. Because listening, like Matt, you enjoy listening. I enjoy listening. Like I can sit and listen to an hour of music or a song I'm working on for an hour straight and be like, this is cool. This is cool. This is like each time it comes through, I'm like, that's cool. That's a neat. Oh, that texture is cool. Didn't notice that the first time. Like, I think that's an art or it's, it's something within someone specifically. It's a gift maybe that a lot of people I don't think have. I don't think a lot of people have the gift of listening. Um, I think two on the same side though, it can be taught. I, I tell people usually when they want to learn or have be mentored is like, I do think you can learn mastering. I think it can be taught, but I think it will require all of you for a period of time. Um, I genuinely think you could learn to listen. You can learn to analyze records. You can learn the feeling and the gut reaction by doing lots of experience, by, by working on songs over and over again for years and years. And then that gut and feeling and trust kind of, uh, shapes and forms itself at least that's how it was for me and then you can you know start making some great records with people and helping them finish things but i think until you're willing to commit to the the way of mastering i'll call it it's really hard to make consistent great records and call them done for people confidently without being like i don't know but i'm just gonna tell them it sounds great like there should be none of that, in my opinion, at the mastering stage. And if there is, there's nothing wrong with it. It just means you're not like at a level of professionalism yet. And that's a hard pill to swallow. It's something I had to accept when I was starting, which was like, I'm not even like as much as I would want to work on a Justin Bieber album at year two of mastering, I'm not qualified. Like I wouldn't, mm. I wouldn't do a great job. I'd do a great job for where I'm at at that time period. <laughs> Like I would do it to the best of my ability, but I would know it's not, you know, it's not probably as dialed, dialed in as it could be. There's other people that are more experienced in it, you know, that are a better fit. And that's something I think people don't realize is like when you're asking someone, can you teach me this or can you mentor me? 
it's like you're saying, Matt, it's a, it's a huge investment. It's not a quick like, hey, let's talk for three weeks and then you're good to go. It's you're asking someone to really invest into them, into you, you know, forever in theory. Like if you want to make mastering a career and I make mastering a career, then we'll probably be talking for the next 30, 40 years. Like Matt and I talk like, yeah. all the time. And my other engineers who do it for a career, like we talk quite often. And I think that's where people just don't understand with like the what you're asking. Um, you know. Well, and you and I talk like every single day. Right. And then like whatever we send back and forth. And then before this podcast, we normally talk on the phone for an hour and catch up. Right. And then just like shoot the crap. And then we talk, we do this podcast for the next hour. Right. And so I mean it's like it's never ending. Right. And like if if you want to like do the mentorship, it's like, hey, I want like like that's a like a like a relationship I want. I want like a working like right. relationship. I want a friendship. And it's like that's really the only thing I'm interested in doing. It's like because I don't really half ass something because I'm gonna be like checking in on you and if I like I don't know, if I like hear something that you did, I'm gonna be like, hey dude, that was freaking awesome. Right. And it's like, I don't know if I hear something that's not that good. <laughs> I might be like, hey man, what was that band? Right. And I don't know, it might have not been you, but I bet you there's some pretty cool stories about it. Right. And I bet you learned some pretty sweet stuff about like yourself and your margins and what you're willing to do. So I don't yeah. know. It's like you only have so much control at the mastering stage. If it sounds like crap, it probably wasn't you, but you probably have some interesting stories about right. it. Right. So I don't know. That's all I'm interested in. Yeah. I just want to. I want to make sure too with this episode that people don't hear us being like exclusive or being like poo poo you for wanting to master because that's not at all. I don't think the we've intentions. said that once. I just want to make sure that's clear to people that we. I, at least I don't want to speak for you, Matt, but we are. I would love to help you learn how to master. For people that go, I want to learn. Can you teach me? I would say, shoot me a DM, shoot me an email, and let's have a conversation about it and figure out what you're trying to do and what you want to do. But it's just, you know, it's something that it just requires so much. I can't reiterate that much or enough. Like, <laughs> it's not, in my opinion, not that it's, it's, it requires so much in a good way. Uh, it's very rewarding, I think. And the relationship building is huge, and that's very rewarding. But I think it's just, it's something that, you know, I'll just leave it at that. It's, it's misunderstood, and people often want to get into mastering for the, I'll say, the wrong motives. But if I've had a few people who accidentally get into mastering, and then they get hooked, and then they love it, and then they decide, mm. this is what I want to do full-time. So that's great. So I would say anyone listening out there, whenever anyone says, hey, can you help me with my master, teach me, or I think I want to get into it, I would say, great. We need more committed, great mastering mm. engineers. We need that. The market is wide open. Like, it really is. We need more mastering people. And I would love to help teach or guide or whatever, but most people are not willing then to commit, you know, to like the path of mastering. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's a it's a hard thing when you when you know, you just need to check your motive and make sure do I want to master cuz I I want to learn that the process and the art of it or am I wanting to learn mastering because I want to make 
75 extra bucks a week. <laughs> like, because it's not worth it. I'll tell you that. To learn mastering for just a little bit more money, just charge more money or or get a side job. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's not, not worth it. It's a difficult job, just like all of, and when I say difficult, that doesn't mean there's friction or like it's necessarily always hard. But if you're in audio, you know what it takes usually uh, mentally, emotionally of you. So anyway, I'm going to uh, wrap and say I'm done. Yeah. I mean, like the, one of like the last things too is like, if somebody asks me if I can like be a mentor or something like that, I'm also like, I'm not going to initiate it. Like it's going to be like a thing of like, I'm just going to let you talk. And you kind of tell me what you want because it's like this is like you <laughs> you approached me, and I don't know. There's also like a whole thing of like I'm not really. Oh, there's like that whole thing of like, do you want to grab coffee? It's like oh, I don't really know. Like, like I would just like let's kind of get to know each other. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Bump the brakes. Coffee's a little too much. It's like not that. It's like I feel like to a degree, some of those relationships there needs to be a little bit more of an exchange, um, than. Than just that, but it's like if you just like want to like hop on the phone or something like that, it's like, sure, just like I need you to initiate it because I'm not going to go out of my way to give up my time and for like someone who's not going to initiate stuff. So, I mean, that's kind of like I guess like the last thing of like how it's like this is like a, this is like a self thing. Like I'm not going to be like pushing you along. So, anywho, we're going to wrap this episode because I need to get home. <laughs> <laughs> I need dinner. Yeah. All right. So if you like what you heard, if you wouldn't mind going over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us some stars, some thumb ups, some thumbs up or some comments. So on iTunes, it's kind of weird. So you got to click on the podcast name and then you got to scroll all the way to the bottom, like past all the episodes, keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling. And then you get to the whole like stars and the comments and all that stuff. And so that's where you do all that. I don't know where you do it anywhere else. Um, if you want to shoot us an email, you can shoot us an email. Um, but mostly we would just um, also love if you would just uh, like take a little screenshot, share it on Instagram, tag me and Sam in it. We'll like repost it. And more nonetheless, it's like I just want to see, like, say, see who's listening and just say hey and um, you know, start a conversation with you and see what you're up to and how you're doing and what you do. And I don't know. If you think I'm full of shit, <laughs> I, I don't know. So... And I believe queuing up from the back, a little sweet beat from Sam. It's like the 113th or whatever it is from <laughs> Beza Beats. Go over and support him. You're more than welcome to buy one of his beats. Or just sit there vibing out listening all afternoon. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, just do you. They're all pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Oh, shoot. We haven't done this. If you need a mastering engineer, I would love to be a mastering engineer for you. And Sam would as well. Sam can be found at Moses Mastering and I can be found at For The Record Mastering. So yeah, I think with that, morning, afternoon, evening, whatever y'all are having, have a darn good one. Thank you so much for tuning in. And cue the music, bud. Cue it. See y'all.